And welcome to another episode of Talk Go for Buckets. I'm Luke Buer. And this is Ryan James coming to you from Prep Hoops and Gopher Illustrated. All right, Ryan, uh, here we are. We, we tried a couple of different times to get together. We finally made it happen. Um, we're, we're sitting here, uh, New Year's Day. Uh, I think we're both watching a little bit of college football while we record this. Um, and, and frankly, I think the Gophers in some ways have surprised a lot of people. And instantly they had some expectations, but then they went and they, I'd say they more or less got curb stomped by Wisconsin. Well, basically, I think the pattern, I think the pattern is road road games, curb stomping, home games. Yeah, we'll take any. It, it could beat anybody in the nation. You know, that's kind of I guess the established pattern at this point. You know, I I agree with you though. Surprise? Yeah, I'd say surprise. I, I don't. Everybody talks about the gauntlet. The gauntlet. Actually, I think we started talking about the gauntlet. Yeah. The gauntlet was that nine-game run, and they are five games into the the, the the gauntlet run. And I would say surprise is a good way to say because I think most people were saying three wins, three and six, that'd be great. Well, they're, they're three and two with four games left in this gauntlet run, which that those four more games are Iowa again, two against Michigan, and Ohio State. And I think they can grab two of those. You go five and four in this gauntlet, it is a surprise. And Luke... You know, you're so quick to shoot right into gopher talk. So you're so excited all the time <laughs> to shoot into it. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the true surprises of Christmas. I wanted to ask you, what was the best surprise you got for Christmas? Uh, the best surprise I got for Christmas. Um, pronunciation guide. <laughs> pronunciation. Yeah, that's good stuff. Actually, I think the best thing I got for Christmas was a surprise. My my mom got me an LED light bulb um, that actually has a battery built in. So when the power goes out, which we occasionally lose power, and we're like the we are probably the one house that's on a strip of like maybe six houses, so we're the last people to get power. So it's got an LED or it's an LED light bulb. So then when we lose power, I'm gonna be able to have a light at night. Even when we lose power, I'm pretty stoked about this. Now we don't lose power a lot, but I'm pretty stoked. I did not expect it. It's a very clever product. I'm very excited about it. That's I'm lame. I get it. I, I'm totally lame. <laughs> Luke Buehler, ladies and gentlemen, so excited. You know that, but that's adult stuff. Like if I have to be truthful, yeah. my best present was probably a new trimmer for outside because when Ooh. I went and got my first, the trimmer one, the new house. I got I got one where I had to have a cord. Yeah, How dumb was that? Yeah. So it, now I have a cord. I have a cordless. And I, I have to admit, um, we took some. We did pretty extensive quarantines. Um, my parents and I, and um, we took tests in the whole nine yards, and we did get together. Um, so, in this current situation, um, that is the pandemic. We did spend some time together, probably against. Uh, against orders from, you know, the, the state legislature, from the governor's office. But it was really, really good to be with family. That was by far the highlight for us. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my brother came back from, came up here from Vegas. My sister, or my sister, my wife's sisters and her parents came around. I, I don't think that's against the order. I, I could I be wrong. I don't know. I don't but know what, either. But Luke, I, like, I'm still a child and I love little gifts like, Mm -hmm. I have on, I, I have a, I, my kid got me a, my oldest got me a Gatorade. I like, like what do you call it? AirPods container. Like I don't have like the, <laughs> I just like a Gatorade thing. And I got like this, 
I don't know. Have you watched Mandalorian? I, you know, I haven't, but I have it on my list to watch eventually. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm a Star Wars geek, yeah. and like I got that little little Yoda, which isn't really a little Yoda, but like they could call it baby Yoda. Yeah. I got this. My wife got me this doll, and my kids love it. It's the cutest thing ever. And my brother got me and my son matching pillow jersey pillows, Cleveland Browns jersey pillows. One of them says my name, and one of them says my kid's name. You can't beat that. No. That's good stuff. No. So anyway. That is that is good stuff. I, I, we should transition. I know that we have sons that are pretty close in age. Mine, mine is now like 21 months or something. Yours is a little bit older than my son, I believe. Um, but my, yeah. my son is starting to, well, I sh- I should mention, we, I've mentioned this before on another podcast, but my son, um, primarily speaks Spanish because my wife speaks Spanish and he was a Spanish immersion daycare. Um, so he mostly speaks Spanish, but I, I was pretty excited. He finally said, go gophers. He doesn't actually say gophers, but he says, go gophers. You know, he tries what's, to say it. So I don't know how. What's Spanish? What's Spanish for gophers? I don't have the slightest idea. Uh, I don't speak any Spanish. I'm going to ask my wife. I'll I'll start closing out the podcast instead of saying go gophers. I'll say it in Spanish going forward. (laughs) There you go. All right. So I suppose we should talk basketball. Yeah, we should talk basketball. So here, let's just, let's kind of recap where we're at again. Uh, The gophers are nine and two. I would say if we, before we started the season, looking at the schedule, we came out of this and said, hey, the Gophers are going to be 9-2. and two. They're going to have two overtime victories, one over uh, Boston College, one over Iowa. I think everybody would take 9-2. and two. I don't think anybody expected the Gophers to be 9-2 and two and ranked in the nation, and I think deservedly so ranked in the nation. Um, we're, so I said that I was surprised. Uh, are you surprised, Ryan? Yes. I think my biggest surprise, I think the biggest surprise is how quickly, like, you got to credit Coach Patino for this. Mm-hmm. I was how quickly they went from going downhill as far as their offense was mm-hmm. to, to snapping back and beating three top 30 teams in Michigan mm-hmm. State, Iowa, and St. Louis. I mean, after the Illinois game, like, if I had a towel, I'd have thrown it in. Because yeah. not, and it wasn't just the Illinois game. Some of those, the offense in so many of those games was putrid. Yeah. You know, like there was struggles against North Dakota, and there was times of getting, you know, Boston College. Like they should have whooped Boston College. Boston College is terrible. Yes. And, and there was, there was, and Loyola Marymount. There were some games in there where the offense was so bad and the ball didn't move at all that, like, it was bad, and like that, the Illinois game wasn't just because Illinois was is, is a special team. It's also because Minnesota's offense was that brutal. But mm-hmm. the fact that Marcus Carr was able to a light was to, was able to go off there, and he was able to you know he was was able to get that message from Coach Fatino. Like that, I think that would be the biggest surprise to me because that light turned on, and then like you're seeing this team respond, like. There was the way that they game planned to play Luca Garza and the way they pulled that off for a good portion of that game, that's impressive. And after in the offensive rebounding has been so bad. And at some point we should talk it talk about that. Because it's it's not just effort. There's some reasons why this team is not a great a great not a great defensive rebound team. They give up too many offensive rebounds. We'll get to that in a bit. But there's a reason for that. And but they came out and like they were blasting Michigan State when the shot went up. All five guys. 
you're seeing these guys respond to things. So, like, we, we struggle, like, ball movement, where is it? Boom. They show it to you, and they quarrel St. Louis. And that game was actually a double-figure game. Uh, well, how are you going to defend Iowa? Boom, you game plan it, you come out. Can we get a rebound against against Michigan State and Wisconsin? Boom, the Gophers out-rebounded Wisconsin. And I don't remember if they out-rebounded Michigan State, but they surely they surely boxed out a lot better for a good portion of that game than they had in the past. So the next thing is they got to figure out how to win a game on the road. Yeah, they, they do have to figure out a way to win a game on the road. I think one of the things you wrote about pretty extensively on Gopher Illustrated, which I'm going to give you some credit on this, and, and this is an observation I made as well, is they seem to be learning from their mistakes as well. Um, no, I'm not yeah. saying they've, they've perfected it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they still have a long way to go. And I think, you know, the, the whole fact that we have to remember that they have, what, like six new guys this year? I don't know how many new guys they have. It feels like a ton, right? There was a, ton, a, a decent amount of turnover hopefully they're going to be able to gel more and more but there's a lot that they've improved on specifically rebounding was one i think defensive positioning has been a lot better um they've had they've had lapses obviously um and and they they've been very streaky at times shooting um but but the thing that impressed me the most what when you think of michigan state basketball what do you think of first ryan toughness yeah, toughness, and they board like crazy, right? The Gophers yep. boarded like crazy against Michigan State after getting completely hammered on the boards by Iowa. To me, that was one of the more impressive things. Now, we have to take it with a grain of salt because Michigan State's, I don't think, a particularly great basketball team. They're pretty inept at times offensively. Um, but the fact that they were able to rebound like they did against Michigan State said to me, like, holy cats. These guys are either they're coachable, which Patino has said, and they're listening to it and they're improving. And I want to jump off of what you said, coachable. One of the reasons they're coachable is because most of them are veterans. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. They start four. They start four juniors. Juniors. Uh, they start four juniors and one senior. Plus, they have a senior off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of the nine guys that are playing, six are upperclassmen, and that's. Part of, you know, the coachable is a big key. Don't get me wrong. But it's also because they're experienced. And I get, like, Quintino has said that a lot of them, have, there are four or five starters, and they started for four different teams last year. That takes some time, and Quintino's brought that up, and that is true. There is, it does take time to develop that chemistry and rhythm. But at the same time, it's quicker when you have that many veterans. And you said six newcomers, which you are right. But only three of those new newcomers are playing. That's true. And that's two. It's two older guys in Robbins and uh, Robbins and uh, and uh, Brandon Johnson, who's definitely turning around lately. And then, of course, Jamal Mashburn off the bench. Yeah, I I, I kind of throw. I, obviously, Booth Gotch is there too. I kind of throw Eric Curry as a newcomer just because he just hasn't played. Oh, you're much. right. Yeah. I I know that I know that Eric Curry. Um, has been around the program, but the fact that he hasn't played to me is more of a thing that makes him somewhat of a newcomer. Um, so I, I think I don't I don't know that I'm terribly interested in going game by game. Um, are you interested in talking game by game, or would you rather talk about individuals and what we'd like to see, what we've seen, and what we'd like to see going forward? Because I think that might be I, more interesting. Oh, for sure. We we talk about the players. Talk about you can lump the games together and talk about where they're at in each spot because yeah. right now you're at 11 games into a 27 game regular season and they're in a good spot. Like you, I mean, you kind of had this target spot of like what 18 wins mm-hmm. you're hoping for. 
and they're halfway there already with 18 games to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you go 500 the rest of the way, you're in a good, good spot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's just start top line. Uh, Marcus Carr. Um, he, had, he at times has been playing probably some of his best basketball, but in some of their losses, he maybe arguably playing some of his worst basketball. Um, so w- the thing I want to point out, the, the thing that stands out to me is this team is oriented a hundred percent around him. You and I have texted about this. Some, he is such a ball dominant port guard that if he's not moving the ball, this team doesn't move the ball. Um, and I'm not trying to knock him. He has been incredibly clutch for this team, but this, they are going to go as Marcus Carr goes. And what I saw in the Wisconsin game was, Wisconsin hedged incredibly hard and they basically said, Hey, we're going to hedge you super hard. And Gabe Kalisher, you're going to have to prove to us that you can beat us. Right. They, they were dropping and sinking off of the wing um, to help on the roll. And, you know, Gabe went three for 10 from three, not great, not terrible. He ended up with 15 points, but, but to me, we're going to see this time and time again with Marcus Carr. I think that we've now seen the blueprint that Wisconsin has laid. And if, if guys, if a, if a team thinks they have the experience um, to be able to hedge that hard, they're going to do it going forward. I agree with you, Luke, but I don't think most teams are capable of pulling it off. I, I really fair. don't think they can. Yeah. Because like, we live in a state where everybody hates Wisconsin. And it is so hard for people to even say anything nice about Wisconsin. It's just the way it is. But if you're being a truthful basketball person, what they did yesterday defensively was spectacular. It was magnificent. Yeah. It really was. Because, yeah, as you said, this team goes on as Marcus Carr goes. And Marcus Carr is a fantastic first-team All-Big Ten player, All-American-type honored guy. Where he will land All-American-wise, that's how this depends on the team goes. Where he lands in terms of first-team Big Ten, potential Big Ten player of the year even, maybe if they have a great season. Mm-hmm. That's, a, you know, that's just consideration. I'm not saying it's happening. But, like, this team goes as he goes. Wisconsin complete, completely took him out because they were willing. They were willing to have their their big heads really hard, and they were willing to allow. And he, they, that the big heads until Trice or whomever it was got was able to get back. They were willing to allow um, that the, the, the whoever was setting the screen to give space. Now their help was so good that mm-hmm. there wasn't much space there to begin with. And as you pointed out there, they overhelped in so many spots mm-hmm. and it completely took Carr out of the game. The only reason he had double figures is because Patino decided to play the starters until the very buzzer. And yeah. that's how he got though. Like he, he, had, that was a pretty much a five point game for Marcus Carr mm-hmm. and they completely took him out. There are times when, Marcus Carr will take a bad shot or two, and you can see the domino effect yes. coming yes. immediately after that. Like I'm not sure exactly which game it was, but he took a bad shot. Then Jamal Mashburn and Isaiah Enan combined to take three bad shots mm-hmm. on the next three possessions. So it was a domino effect. He took a bad one, followed by those three taking their, the next three shots being bad from other guys. That has happened so many times. But when you flip it around, the games that Marcus Carr played at Williams Arena against Michigan State, St. Louis, and Iowa, 
he was phenomenal. Exactly. Like, name me a better basketball player in the Gopher uniform in the last 20 years than Marcus Carr when you think in terms of what he did in those games. You can't. Like you, nobody, nobody has played that. those three games he played in terms of creating for others, moving the ball, scoring, being clutch, and defending. Nobody has played three games that good. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, almost, it's almost crazy when you think about it. Like, like, if he's that good and he could play that way, then, like this team could, the, the dreams of 316 or what we always talk about, it could be there. They just got to figure out how to do it on the road. Yeah, they, they got to figure out how to do it on the road. And the one thing I want to add on, on Wisconsin for you is what team has bigs like Nate Reavers and Micah Potter that can move like they can and are smart like they are, right? Like they, they're they probably as good of two, uh, good of two on-ball um, hedgers that you're going to see in in the Big Ten. Now, I, I haven't watched every team, but I just I I'd say find me a, a team with a better tandem. I don't think they pro- I don't think there probably is a team. Like you got to get. Well, you're not gonna, You're going to find you can find tandems up front from teams, but the thing is, nobody really has two bigs like that. No, exactly. Like, Illinois starts. Yeah, Illinois starts four guards and wings. You know, Michigan State doesn't but then again they don't their front court isn't as good as they usually is. right illinois they start four guards the wings and when they do go big they go big with two centers right not with a power forward in the center so it's like wisconsin is an unusual is a different case Rutgers is another team Rutgers goes a little bit smaller mm-hmm. a lot of times so i haven't done the research on ohio state quite yet to see exactly those lineups and stuff that they're using and if i have watched them before but like you, Ohio State's had some injuries, so what's going to be there tomorrow may be different than the last time you've seen them. But what your point your point is quite valid. Like Wisconsin's got a different type of approach in that they have two bigs that they use. Although after they start, they just flip flop. They just trade them off, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like like Michael Potter. If Michael Potter was a Gopher, was the Gophers there? He played thirty six minutes. Yeah, in Wisconsin, he plays twenty four. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting why how they don't use him, but can't argue they're nine and two. No, you so can't. but yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, obviously, we'll spend probably the most time on on uh, Marcus Carr. Um, you know, we're gonna see the Gophers are gonna go as he goes, and then probably I would assume we'll spend the next most amount of time on Gabe Kalisher. Um, and reason being is I keep getting text messages from Ryan Burns saying that Kalisher shouldn't shoot anymore. And I keep telling him to shut up because like, uh, okay, honestly, why I understand that he's not shooting. Well, let's see of his shots. 58% of them are threes. I know he's only shooting somewhere around 20 ish percent on, on threes. I, I get that. But the reality of the situation is he's going to be on the floor because he is he's your second best player like i i understand offensively he's struggling but defensively he is elite he has improved drastically going to the rim um not saying he's amazing at it but compared to his sophomore and freshman year he has drastically improved there he is an incredible free throw shooter the gophers are getting to the line a ton and he is someone who else who also is getting the line a ton like Yes, he's not shooting well. He's got to make make good shot selections. But if you're mad about him taking ten shots, he took for the most part ten pretty good threes 
against uh, against Wisconsin because they were basically like beat us. Now three for ten, not great. We expect more um, from him because we've seen more from him. But if you can eliminate this, he's an elite Blake Hoffarber-esque three point shooter. Like you will appreciate how good of a player Gabe Kalisher is. Gabe Kalisher, yeah. Basketball people talk about it all the time. Like I actually like the way Richard Pitino says it. Like Richard, people will bring up his shooting, and Richard Pitino's people will bring up Gabe Kalisher's shooting regularly, like in a post game press conference yeah. or in the weekly show. And his first response is, "Whatever, that's like six shots a game." Right. Like I care more about the sixty possessions of defense he's outstanding. Exactly. I care more about the fifty possessions of offense where he either does get us scores on five possessions a game or he's moving the basketball. Like that's. That's also that. That's the approach you need to take from. Defensively, he's a first-team All Big Ten player. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't. It's I don't. The battle that we will forever have, and it's like Luke. Well, if 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 you know people that are big into politics, yeah. Okay. Are they ever going to? Are we ever going to come to a point in life where? Most the people that disagree are going to put their arms around her, no. each other and just agree. No. Well, okay. We are never, unfortunately, going to get to an area where all bas- people that watch basketball are going to understand the defensive end. No. This is not going to happen because, like, like just people, not enough people truly appreciate it. Like, people, if you're 68 possessions on one end, there's 68 possessions on the other. Exactly. Like, guys only shoot the ball. Like, guys only take six, seven jumpers a game, but they go back the other way and defend 60 times. Mm-hmm. Like, in a world of analytics where so many people are looking at analytics, you'd think that they would understand the basic logic that, guess what? He just played 58 good defensive possessions and two bad ones. Mm-hmm. So, and then he went the other way and had six bad offensive possessions. The numbers don't even, like, warrant a complaint. And especially when you consider... If Gabe Kelsher had made one more three this year, take take the seven threes that he's had dance around the rim and fall out. Take those out. Give him two of them. You you then have him being the fourth worst big shooter on the team from the arc. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, fourth. Jamal Mashburn is four of 23. He's just as bad at the arc. Right. Isaiah Enan is five of 24 at the arc. Just as bad. Trey Williams? What is three of fourteen at the arc? Booth Gosh hasn't played is bad. Nothing. You know, he hasn't played well at all. No. Like guys, Minnesota basketball world that go for fans, you do not have another guy on this team who's going to step in and shoot better from the arc. You don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. And you sure as hell do not have a guy on this team who can even come close to matching him defensively. Yeah, and I guess my I'm I'm gonna finish up by begging people, just please try to under like look what he's doing in defense. If you don't understand, ask somebody. Right. Because every basketball coach in America, every person who tracks basketball regularly that knows what's going on with basketball is going to tell you this. Now to Ryan Burns, first of all, you called out Ryan Burns. Yeah, that's interesting to me. No, yeah, he was called out Burns. Yeah. Um, he 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 but, keeps texting me. He goes, "You're gonna hate this, but Gabe's got to sh- stop shooting." And it's like you gotta shut up. Like seriously. There, there, here's here's the situation. Like 
Gabe has his shots numbers have gone down. There yeah. are there are jumpers that Gabe used to take that were moderately um, contested, and he doesn't take them anymore. Right. Like I can specifically think of times where he's closed out in the corner, and in the past he would let that go, mm-hmm. and he does not let that go anymore. If that's the shot that Ryan Burns and others are talking about, totally agree. Sure. He shouldn't take those anymore, and he's not. Now, you cannot, you, if you're a good toucher, you cannot stand there wide open within the rhythm of exactly. the offense after a baller is averse to you and not shoot the three. Like, you just, that's not, you can't do that. Like, okay, if he, if he misses four wide open ones in a row and it's the first play in the possession, sure. Maybe he shouldn't shoot that one, but with Gabe Smart, he doesn't. Yeah, he only shoots the shots that are within the rhythm of the offense after ball reversals, et cetera, within a play or with in a quick transition when they when he when he catches the pass rhythm. That's what he shoot when he shoots the shots he's taking. Okay, and guess what? Like, he, like you want him shooting that just as much as you want anybody else that you would have come in and replace him because no one else is shooting that well right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody. No. No, I'm 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 with you 100. percent I I think I think part of it is like yeah he's shooting 20 percent and you know 58 percent of his shots are are three pointers like I get that so you're seeing you know you're seeing him not shoot the ball that well but on 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 shots at the rim like he takes a, a low percentage but he he's you know 52 53 percent at the rim and he's 90 percent from the line get to the line game because you're basically automatic from there like i i love what he's been doing in the progression of his game obviously i love his defensive game and and the other thing is like i'm with you he's making good decisions so uh, don't I don't want to hear people begging for him to be benched. I don't want people to say, don't shoot. Like he's got to take open shots if that's what comes, because that's what the offense is going to give him. Eventually he'll make them pay. I, I hope. And I believe that um, maybe I'm crazy. I, I think the benching talk has gone away by yes. most people. That was earlier. Yeah. I think that's gone away. I think people have started to, re- I mean, it, as long as you trust what some of these announcers are telling you, and trust what your head coach is telling you. Yeah. Like, I think people are realizing that. And I also think that people are now are more understanding of the fact that the other guys aren't doing it either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, one of the common things is, well, we need to play more. Dude, Isaiah has played 181 minutes. Jamal's played 177 minutes. You know, Trey's played 107 minutes. Like, these guys aren't shooting the ball well either. Yeah. Like, and they've had the time to prove it. And so far, I'll tell you what, though. If Jamal or Isaiah... And I bring Isaiah into this because you could use him as a small forward at times. Yeah. But there, like I, I bring, I, I also, but I also, and I also bring him into this because he's a shooter and yeah. he's not shooting well either. Yeah. So that's kind of where that is. So yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm I'm with you there. I think the I think the one thing like I could maybe advocate a little bit more for Trey Williams to play more, and, and I'll tell you why. You might you might disagree with me here. Who else throws the ball into the post? Like. In, against Iowa, he did a really good job. Now, he's hot and dry with that, but I feel like he's done a good job getting ball reversals and putting the ball into the post. He also goes to the cup strong. I'd like to see him do that more. He doesn't always finish, um, but he takes some really, really bad two-point jumpers at times, like just like three dribbles, like catch catch the ball, three dribbles, nothing. But I, I could advocate for more Trey Williams time personally. The only the, Trey Williams will get more time. Well, I mean, obviously, if he starts shooting the ball really well, at even time. Yeah. But yeah, he he would get more. 
but um, he has to just be more solid defensively. Yeah, I agree. Like Trey's, Trey, Trey's energy is there, mm-hmm. but like he gets wild at times, mm-hmm. and like when 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 the chase, the initial chase is there, he's good. But when it when he when the when the possessions get deeper, he he takes some chances. His footwork gets out of place, yeah. and he has some issues. Like that's what led. Now, I don't, I don't think the team is going to throw a player under the bus on this team right now. So I think that when they asked about Trey, he said, "Hey, it just didn't work out with the game plan." If you're looking at when you're if you're watching those games, you notice in the in the in the St. Louis game, he made two bad defensive mistakes, and, and Coach Tino was mad. Yeah, and Coach Tino took him out and didn't play him again until he had to late in the game because there was foul issues, and they were playing four guards wing. The St. Louis was, I believe, they was trying to foul to get back in, something of that nature. And anyway, there, I didn't know they were pressuring, but whatever the case, Williams played at the very, very end of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he didn't play the next game. I think there was some benching there, just because, just because of uh, he had those defensive mistakes. As soon as that gets cleaned up. I think you could make a case for it, he's, but he needs to clean some of those things up. Yeah, and we got to remember he's a sophomore, right? Um, he, you know, he's got some maturation. Like it, it, it takes some time. Some of these guys don't come in right away playing great defense. Everybody's favorite, David Mutoff, that guy. He's completely lost at times defensively, and he hardly plays. Right? Um, don't you do it? You cannot. Bad mouth David Mutep to the Gopher basketball community right now. You you apologize to all our listeners. Right I now. I recognize. I think I saw Damian Johnson tweet something like "free Turkish Luca." Like yeah. he's got some. He's like he's got some offensive ability. I I see that. He's not scared to shoot it right like at, at all. Um, but we got to be real honest about defensively. He in late game situations like super lost and maybe I'm well some people are also saying he's only played nine minutes 45 seconds yes but like that five minutes he played against Kansas City was not good defensively and many of us got like when we got when they were looking at him slash got him committed the uh I believe it was 18 and under 19 and under games he was playing yeah for Turkey, we got to look at those, and that was the first indicator that defensively it was going to take some time. But let, let, let's be completely honest, though. Like we saw Isaiah Ian make massive strides. I'm not saying that he's not capable, right? Like given given the structure, like Isaiah Ian improved dramatically. I I think there's a future for Mutaf. Don't get me wrong. Like, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. And much like Trey Williams, it, it's going to take some time. He's only a sophomore and he's going to be a sophomore again next year. Right? Like the, these, they've got some good pieces. I like Trey Williams game. I love the energy he brings, especially without Jarvis Omersa, right? Like who is that energy guy? It's Trey Williams. I don't know who else it's going to be without, without uh, Jarvis Omersa there. I mean, it has to be Trey, but Eric, I just, I just love Eric Curry yeah. off the, coming off the bench so much. He's so smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I I can't remember who it was. I mean, no, it was Jamal. Jamal Jamal got quite loose with his jumpers yesterday against Wisconsin. Yeah. And at one point, Eric Curry walked right up to him in the middle of the game, and you could you could see like you could almost just see in Eric's face what he was talking about. And he's done that a few times. There was a, about two games ago, there was a play where somebody messed up. Uh, you know, defensively, and Eric Ryland Ford right away went right up to that person and explained to them, you know, where their mistake was. Eric Curry, I know that 
there are things that are a struggle for Eric. Like we talked about, you know, we'll get back to the rebounding issues. We mm-hmm. said that earlier. Okay. So there, like Eric and Liam both have the same issue of, you know, when they get to, okay, first of all, Liam's huge. Yes. All right. So as a, as a seven footer, he has to go locate his guy, make contact. Hopefully that guy who's, uh, you know, sometimes might be more agile than Liam. He's seven feet tall. He has to make contact with that guy and then release to get to that ball. Well, Liam is a seven footer and it's not easy for him to locate contact and release. And mm-hmm. that's the problem sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that is also a problem for Eric too, because you know, Eric, it's great to see him on the floor. He's providing valuable things, but the reality of it at times is that Eric has had so many leg issues at times. It's hard for him to locate, make contact, you know, drop his hips, get to the guy, make contact, drop the hips, or, or if they're not dropped again, and go get the basketball. Well, that has been hard. It's hard for both of them, and that's where one of the reasons they're having so many issues giving up offensive rebounds. Yeah. One of the issues. One, Don't one, get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's not just them. I'm I'm with you there, um, and I, I think too, like to your point, Curry. You know, who knows how long he was able to just get away with athleticism? Because let's not let's not forget, he was really really athletic foreman right when he came in as a freshman and he was very impactful now maybe somewhat limited you know this is still an adjustment for him and and you you never know maybe even somewhat tentative still still and not trusting that knee i'm i'm totally speculating there right um but i I agree with you that they are having a hard time locating i i'd wonder like how how much worse it could be if they didn't have booth gotch because he's averaging what five five point seven boards a game he had maybe nine gosh he made did he have 10 against iowa i don't know i'll look it up later but he he's done a good job rebounding um they they do need uh they do need like calisher to maybe rebound a little bit more johnson does okay but he he struggles to locate too at times ryan like this is a consistent theme with the exception of maybe the michigan state game they all kind of struggle to to locate and hit, get box out hits I will I will defend Brandon a little bit. Brandon, okay. yes, Brandon had some issues, but Brandon also was dealing. He's already had two leg injuries. That's true. And and when you're talking about like again, one of the issues when it comes to this level of basketball, you have to quickly drop your hips, get to the man, make contact. Again, this is a lot of effort. Don't get me wrong. Half of this is effort. It's sometimes over his own all put the effort in they're supposed to. But the other half is you have to be physically, you know, able, possession after possession after possession, mm-hmm. drop hits, contact, come back. And if you are having any type of leg issues, that is not an easy thing to do at fifth level of basketball. Mm-hmm. And so but Brandon has rebounded the basketball very, very well as of late. Yeah. He's becoming the guy, you know, he's averaging nine points and six rebounds a game. Like coming into the season, I was thinking eight, nine, ten points and six rebounds a game. And right now, that is what he is doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, they needed someone to step up over Alihan Demir. In what ways did they need someone to step up? They needed someone that was more physical. Brandon does that. Someone that rebounds better. Brandon does that. Someone that shoots a little bit better, percentage-wise. Brandon is, a, is shooting as a 49% shooter and climbing. Alihan was, like, 41 for 2 Brandon Johnson has been the upgrade over Alihan Demir. He's not Jordan Murphy. He's not Trevor McWalkway. He's not uh, I'm trying to think power forward. He's not Courtney James. He's like, not. I'm trying to think of top power forward. Yeah. You know, Courtney, he's not Chris Humphreys, but he's a good upgrade from what they had last year. He's probably not senior Rodney, Rodney Williams either. Primarily played the four. Um, let's, 
Okay. The other thing that we should mention is Isaiah Enan has surprised me um, just at how he's rebounded, right? Most of it, he, he definitely flashes on offensive rebounds, but I, I did not expect him to be, you know, around 4.5. He's at 4.3 boards a game now. I know that we expect more from him shooting because we, we saw that, but he's been a pleasant surprise. I know he's had defensive lapses. That's, that's been very, very, very evident. Um, if you didn't, if you didn't know that you're probably not paying attention to the defensive side of the ball because he's definitely gotten yanked a couple times for it and rightfully so. Um, but that said, uh, you know, he has been a surprise for me. I did not ex- expect him to board like he has boarded so far this year. Uh, offensive, offensive rebounding wise. Yes. I mean, he might be the best. He doesn't, he and Brandon Johnson have gotten some good totals there. Liam too, cause he's gigantic. Yeah. Uh, and he, and Lee, and Lee has put the effort in. I mean, Liam's been solid, but I think he's a good offensive rebounder. Defensive rebounding. Yeah. I would give it, you know, uh, yeah, needs improvement. Below average. <laughs> yeah. I would say low average, which is probably below 50%, but not bad. Um, but, yes, you are right. Like, Michigan State-wise, he had some bad mistakes. His minutes were quite limited in that game because of some of those mistakes he made and because Brandon Johnson was playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. Isaiah, the hope that you had for Isaiah Eden was by the end of his sophomore year, he was playing starter-caliber basketball but coming off the bench. And as a junior, he's capable of starting. What you have to ask yourself now is he is that you know are we seeing that at the end of his second year? This is a four star recruit guy that was listed as a four star recruit. Now, well, how did he get there all of a sudden? Like just randomly appeared out of nowhere in the winter because you know like he I, no I don't think many people knew who Isaiah was. Next thing you know, he's on the top he's a top one hundred player by twenty four seven sports. Like whoa, all of a sudden he's there. I don't know who saw him. But all of a sudden, he's there. So all of a sudden, the expectations are there. And after you watch the film, you say, okay, the potential is that he could, with a jump, with the jump, with, you know, with the aggressive jumper, you know, with, well, with his length, great length. Holy cow. You know, he's, a, he's the second best shot blocker on this, on this bat. Well, ah, well I'll, give him, I'll give him top three. I'll give him, he's one of the top three shot blockers on this team. The length is, his length is excellent. You know, he's also, his length is excellent. And, so you got to look at it as, is Isaiah Enid capable of being a starter at the beginning of next year? And is he capable of playing by, the, by mid-February, end of February, is he capable of playing starter-level basketball? You know, that's, that's still a month and a half away, and we have to see. I was, the progressions were good towards the end of last year. There were some progressions at the start of this year that were solid. Yeah. Right now I'm looking at it, and I'm, it's okay, but he's got to start shooting the ball better. And he needs to take a step up defensively and being more consistent. Rebounding-wise, I'm going to give it to him solid. He just has to – like, even if he doesn't shoot better, he has to lock up defensively now if he wants to take the next step. Yeah, I agree with you that it comes down to consistency. Um, you know, the, you you got to take every play – you know, with a full head of steam, right? You, you can't take plays off in this league. Um, and he sees that and he gets lost. And the thing for me, is he getting lost because he's lapsing mentally or he doesn't grasp the concept? That's the piece I can't, I, I, I can't see. And obviously we don't get to be in, you know, we can't know what they're doing all the time, right? I think that, I think that it's still a little bit, a little much for him on his plate. Um, 
that I'm going to err on that side. And I think that with more reps, he's he has the potential to become more consistent because we've seen him, we've seen him mature in areas that fairly quickly see seeing him mature i i am hopeful that he can get to that starter quality that you're talking about um by the end of this season i i don't know if that's a guarantee but well, I'm, I'm optimistic ask yourself this why can't he guard a small forward most small forward most mm, he's he's struggle as good as he is with his length he struggles to use his length with a quicker defender or a quicker offensive yes. guy. That's what he struggles with. He struggles to move his feet right now. He doesn't. Yes, he doesn't have the greatest footwork. So no. because of that, so because of that, when he's guarding athletes in the Big Ten, he has the the, the mindset, the positioning, the technique. They all have to be on point because he's not super physical. He is long. He's not super physical. He doesn't have quick quick lateral feet. So therefore. He has to be on point defensively in those in that other area, and it's just not there yet. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, we talked a little bit about um, Jamal Mashburn. I like that he's been able to spell uh, Car at times, even though we don't really see the Car get spelled. Um, the, you know, these number these averages in terms of minutes are a little bit skewed because they've played two overtimes. But you know, Car is averaging thirty five minutes a game. I'd I'd like to see them use Jamal Mashburn a little bit more. But to your point. I like the confidence, but he's taken some pretty bad shots in moments. Um, I think he's going to be a good player, but he needs experience. And he, he also is struggling defensively at times. Defensively on the backside? Yeah. You know, we haven't seen it in the Big Ten as much, but some of these non-conference teams, they had some just bulls. Like Kansas City had like a bull. That really good Kansas City player has already left their program. Like he's transferring, so I wouldn't be surprised if the CM landed a good you know, mid-major. But anyway, like there were some teams that just went right. There were players teams that went right through Jamal just because you know he, they were they had quick, strong guys, mm-hmm. and Jamal was bowled through because you know Jamal was listening at six two, he ain't six two, no, he ain't six two. Um, but but th- that's that's fine. The problem is on the backside, he keeps getting lost. Yes, and that that surprises me. I was not expecting that. Based on the games I watched at Brewster last year, I didn't like. I watched three, three and a half, four games of Brewster. That is not something. And I only when I watched Brewster, I wasn't watching he, other players. I was watching just him. Okay, and I didn't see this stuff. Okay, here's a question for you. This is just my observation. The Gophers don't consistently play ball screens the same way, and I wonder. You know, so they'll they'll hedge hard. They'll play some drop coverage. Um, at times, very rarely do they play drop coverage, but like they 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 do play ball screens different ways depending on you know the matchup, you know who it is. Do you think that confuses someone like him? Because that's where I see him struggle on the backside is when there is a ball screen and he's kind of sag in, right? And maybe maybe I'm seeing something different than you are, but I'm curious where where you're seeing his his lapses. Well. To me, like you could, you know, when I've seen him have the problem on the backside, I got three plays there in mind. Honestly, what happened was I would I went back on the film and was like, "What the heck happened there?" And then I'll look back at it. And I'm just watching the guy that scored, sure. and I'm seeing Jamal ball watching, like yeah. straight up ball watching. Sometimes, so I, I can't really tell you what the, where the uh, what the what the what the coverage was on the ball screen because sure. I don't remember. But I can tell you that he, there was just this. 
got his time. He just on the backside. He stands and ball watches. Yeah. In the last game, I think he was on Johnny Davis, and like he Davis uh, rotated the ball to the wing, and then Jamal just stared and watched the ball the whole way. Shot went up. Jamal just stood there and watched the rim, and Johnny Davis ran right around him and got a got a got a put back. Yeah. Like, those are the things that he has to clean up, and I was surprised like. He took so many bad shots in that so last game. So many. I was, I was floored that he like that that he didn't like Eric Curry came up and said something to him. I was mm-hmm. floored that that he didn't get the hook that we've seen from other guys in the past. Like that, although I know Booth was had some foul trouble, so that could be it. But yeah, it, like there are some times where he flashes that confidence. And again, I want to make this very clear. I think Jamal Bashburn is going to by the end of his career be some type of all Big Ten type player. I'm not saying he's going to be Nate Mason. I, 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 he could be. He could be that level. He could be a Nate Mason level player. Or, yeah. Uh, but we, we have a ways to go. You know, if if Marcus Carr wasn't so unbelievably good, uh, Jamal Mashburn would be playing more than he is right now. Mm-hmm. But Marcus Carr is exceptional. So then you have Gabe Coucher who can't come off the floor much either because of his defense. So there's not an overload of minutes for Jamal to well, play. And, but and, Jamal, has, but he has to do better in minutes. Yeah. It, I would say, too, you know, to your point about the Johnny Davis, you know, matchup, like, it's tough to get Carr and him on the floor at the same time. Like, it's very tough. Because there are so many big, big guys in the Big Ten. So you, you can usually get away with one, but getting both. And, and that's where, you know, again, Kelsher and, and Booth Gaj, they got to play because of the length and the size. And they're both pretty good defenders. Kelsher is extremely good. Booth can be extremely good. He's not always extremely good. Um, let's talk a little bit about Booth. Um, he came in real hot, and he has struggled massively in Big Ten play. Turnovers being maybe the most shocking to me um you know he he borderline he's tied with Carr in the most turnovers 25 turnovers and it feels like almost all of them have been in in big 10 play no that's not uh, true booth had a had a, a struggle last year um where his confidence went down sure and it lasted for for a decent amount of time that's when he missed those 28 and 33s I think we're in the middle of another confidence struggle. Like, I mean, and that, that's what happens. Like, when your confidence goes down, you start to do things like, like he had a he had a wide open layup and he just dropped the ball. Yeah, well, he's you know, had, he's had, had a couple two of those. times. Yeah, he's had two attacks where like he was just dribbling. Next thing you know, the ball would just be lost out of his hand, or he just threw he, it like, out of bounds. Boom. Like, yeah, yeah, like he's and that's those aren't. Well, that's not because Booth is mentally out of it. It's not because Booth isn't focused or Booth isn't, you know, Booth is lackadaisical. He's not talented. It's it's in his head. Like, let's be real here. For the first five, six games, the best all-around player on this team was yes. Booth Scotch both ways. Yes. He was. And mm-hmm. it, honestly, you couldn't even bring anybody else up because he just did so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you look at it right now, like, like you run through it, Booth is the third leading scorer. He's the second leading rebounder. He's second in assists. He's tied for the leading steals. You know, like Booth, like Booth is up there. Like Booth's all around game. He's much better defensively for a while than I ever expected him to be. Mm-hmm. But ever since that Illinois game, when he missed every shot he took, he's it's just been a struggle. And like that's, I didn't like that the Gophers played their. I, I get it. 
You want to get the uh, the point differential down. What the hell is that thing called? Yeah. They, um. Yeah. They they have the that nets or whatever. Yeah. The net the net ratings, right? Yeah. The net ratings. I hated that they had the starter. Like everyone's like, Wisconsin guys are out there. No, that's in code in basketball. When one team is killing the other, the team that's getting killed takes their starters off the floor, and the, and the other team follows. That's like basketball code. Mm-hmm. And Patillo didn't take his out. And sure, they got it down from 19 to 12. Maybe that'll help them. But to me, on a team that, like, you know, when you have a, like, when you have a guy like Marcus Carlin's playing a boatload, like, you need to sit him there. for so you, and You need to sit him there. He needs some time off. You play again in three days. Yeah. You know? I, and, like, <clears throat> he's not the only guy. And also, like, what happens if somebody got hurt? Right. You know, like, everyone's kind of like, oh, what are the chances of that happening? Until it actually happens, and then you got 17 threads on Gopher Illustrated complaining about Patino playing him. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, so, like, I didn't like that, but at the same time, I did like that Bootsch was on the floor. He got a dunk, he made a three. And those type of things can be huge yes. for a player, and you have to hope that when they play Ohio State, that it's huge then. Yeah, and you're and you're right. He he really struggled against Illinois. No no question about it. And you wonder if that just got to his head, like, hey, this is Big Ten playing. Holy crap, these guys are really good. And by the way, Illinois is really good. Like they're a really good basketball yeah. team. Like let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Um, and really, I don't know if there's a bad basketball team outside of Nebraska in the Big Ten. I haven't watched everybody. I mean, Nebraska's terrible. Um, but that's beyond the point that this isn't a Nebraska podcast. Uh, let's let's chat a little bit about um, Brandon Johnson here. Um, I'm with you. He's he's played well. He's starting to board well. He didn't board well early. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the threes and the seven threes in, in the game against Iowa. He's uh, otherwise eight eight, eight, eight whatever. Eight, yeah, eight, yeah. Eight. Otherwise, he's not he shot the, the record, three. baby. Otherwise, he's not shot the three pretty well. But in that game, he was phenomenal. Um, and that's why his numbers look so good. Um, but, you know, he is a versatile player. I'm going to give him that. Like, he was, he's much more versatile than I thought. He's definitely a plus on Alejandro Demir. Actually, I think Isaiah Eden's actually a plus on Alejandro Demir, too. But I'll say this. Big upgrade there. Really like his game. Um, I, I, I I definitely think he's not overmatched for the Big Ten. Um, he's he's a really good find for Patino. Kudos to them on that and that short window recruiting. Also, I think he's going to get better. Yeah. Like, I, I I don't he's the, it's so funny. He's made three threes outside of that Iowa game all year. Exactly. Like, it, was, it, it was such it was one of the more like random occurrences. It was pretty cool. Right. Um, and you got to hope that it comes again, but he's made three threes the rest of the season outside that. Right. But, but I love the way he defends. Yeah. Let me, let me add though. L- let's, let's be honest. Like those shots were there and he didn't really force any of them. Right. Like, no, he didn't. You, you got to give him credit for that. Cause he, it wasn't like they were heat checks and they're just throwing them up. Those were good shots. They were giving them to him. So good for him. Dude, Marcus Carr did a great job feeding him too. Like, yeah. Mark Carr put the ball in his hands for those two. Um, but, no, I, I think the best days for Brandon Johnson are ahead. And the beauty of it is, like, do you want Brandon Johnson back next year to be well, your power forward? There's a good question. I think most people would. Yeah, well, here's here's a question. So he could come back, right? And theoretically, no, so he graduated. So 
like he could get a master's degree and play two seasons. Like that could be compelling, right? I, I, I he probably has professional aspirations, and you know if he gets an offer overseas or you know feels those waters out or whatever, I don't know how that all works out. But it's very possible he could be back. Do you have? A, obviously, you probably don't even have a hunch, but it could be a really no. good good situation for the Gophers. The one thing about it is, I'm pretty sure it'd be a sixth year. If you really want to play, you know, it's like, yeah. like people got to think of like some of these, I don't know that a lot of people want to be in college six years. Some people want to get out with their lives. Right. So I don't know. I can't pretend to know what Brandon Johnson's thinking, mm-hmm. but I can guarantee you this. Like he's their best option to start at the four next year. And they don't have, unless they're getting a transfer, unless they like find a good transfer, which I guess is not, is another question in the spring. The guys coming in next year, you know, Trayton Thompson, I'm going to call him a five. Big Kenny, you know, Kenny will play some four because he shoots the ball so well, but he's a big dude. Like, I don't, I'm not sure how he's position defense. He's really, really good. Big Kenny, Kenny photo from uh, Sunrise Christian. I don't know that he's going to guard too many Big Ten power mm-hmm. forwards. I, I have to look at the film to see that. But anyway, either way, he ain't coming in and starting next year for Brandon Johnson. I think Brandon Johnson's the best option to start next year, and I'll bet you Kino will try as, as hard as he can to get him to come to it. But we'll see. I mean, I think the best days for Brandon Johnson are ahead. Yeah. All right. We probably got to talk about Liam Robbins. Um, you know, he's an interesting player. I really like Liam Robbins. Obviously, the the blocks are kind of the highlight that most people talk about. Um, you know, offensively, he he's versatile. He's you know he's thirty three percent from three. He doesn't typically force it. Um, he takes shots in rhythm. You know, I'd like to see him be a little bit. Uh, a little bit better in interior wise at finishing. He's not phenomenal. Should actually look at his numbers before I say that. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, oh, he's yeah. If, if he hadn't started, if he hadn't started the season off missing so many bunnies in those first couple games, he'd be right around 55 percent where you want him to be. Yeah. Because because he had some early, you know, missed some early bunnies early in the year, and because he takes some threes that I really wish he would pull back down. His numbers are a little bit, his shooting percentage is a little bit lower. But like lately, I got no problem. I don't have, outside of Liam Robbins needing to do a better job of trying to you know, block out some of these centers, which I know is tough. It's not an easy thing to do, especially for centers. But he has, other than that, Liam Robbins, I'm all in. And, and my biggest statement about Liam Robbins outside of he's been, a, he's been pretty damn good and pretty, been pretty much what they said he was going to be. Mm hmm. Give him the ball. Yeah. Like, that's why I, I lose my mind. That's why I, I lose s- my mind. Yeah. That's I lose my mind going, they start the second half and they like wait 10 possessions to give him the ball. It yeah. drives me nuts. Well, the, the other thing is that's why I, I, I advocated for Trey Williams earlier because he seems to throw him the ball more than anybody. Um, especially in that, was it that Iowa game? I can't remember exactly, but I was like, Trey's got to play cause he actually gives him the ball. Jeez Louise. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this about Robin. He, he, yeah, geez, Louise. Yeah, but but honestly, who is Jesus Louise? I don't know who he is. Um, honestly, I thought I was really concerned after that Illinois game. Um, when when I saw Robbins and he struggled, and there were a couple other games where he struggled so massively on the perimeter, um, guarding ball screens. I was like, oh no, like I maybe he isn't as good, but he's improved a lot there. Yeah, there are games. The North Dakota game, I think, That's scared the, the living hell out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That scared the living hell out of everybody. 
but um, but he, he he's pretty good. Like he gets as as long as he doesn't have to cover too much ground, he covers ground very well. Yeah, he gets to his help exceptionally well. Um, he, ball screen wise, he's he's not as bad as I thought he would be. I mean, he's not great. It's not he's you know he's not. You know, he's not running around out here like, you know, Kevin Durant or something. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, but like, he's not terrible all the time either. Like, I, he's solid. Now, there are some teams like Wisconsin. That was a little scary because Potter and Reavers are going to bring him away from the bucket. Now, and, and Potter had a hell of a game against Robin. Can't, can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for the most part, Liam's been pretty solid. As long as he doesn't have to cover too much ground, he's yeah. pretty good. If yeah. when he has to cover too much ground, that's when it can be tough because he's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Most seven feet, most seven footers don't want to play basketball, but mm-hmm. because they're seven feet, they have to. Well, the others, and then when you take some of the ones, some of the chunk of seven footers that want to play basketball, not all of them can move their feet exceptionally well. Yeah, you know, but you know, and, he, and he's okay. And he's huge. You're right. He is absolutely huge. Um, okay, a couple quick comments, and then we'll maybe talk more uh, more about the season, basically the year 2020 as a whole when it comes to basketball. Um, Sam Freeman played some good minutes against Iowa when they needed him. Um, I still don't know what his role is with this team. He doesn't get any minutes, which is hard to know, so it's hard to make a conclusion, but he did give some okay minutes when they really needed him to. Um and then I'll just say that Martise Mitchell was completely lost defensively. That's all. Yeah. I mean, Martise has got a long, long way to go. Yeah. Um, Sam Freeman. Sam, I, I was pleasantly surprised in the minutes he played against Kansas City and then the minutes he played against Iowa. Yeah. Like, I've been pleasantly surprised by Sam. I'm looking forward. That's why I wanted – I wish he would have played at the end of the game yesterday. So yeah. So he could get some experience. So he can see what – like, so he can get some experience and play more and see if we can, if what he can do. Like, there have been positives from, from Sam Freeman. I'm anxious to see what happens. Now, okay, Luke, we have gone 11 games with one injury. You know, Touché. Brandon Johnson missed, yeah. missed one game. Yeah. Like, at some point, someone's going to get hurt or someone's going to get, you know, someone's going to have something. a problem of right. some sort. Or, or for, for crying out loud, we've. You know, cross your fingers. There's been nothing COVID related here yet. Nothing. You know, we haven't, there's all the games have been played. Nothing's happened. So, mm-hmm. so you're good there. But guess what? You're probably not going to go through this whole season and and that without a problem. We're, some point, Sam Freeman is going to likely have to come into play here, or mm-hmm. you're going to have to use Trey or Jamal extensively. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those situations. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, I guess we should. I did miss Hunt Conroy. Um, standard walk on uh, seems like a good dude. That's all I got. He likes the Saints, though. Oh, so, does he? Yeah. It, oh, what do you do there? Never mind. Not good dude. I'm. I'm taking that back. Um, he <laughs> likes the Saints. Uh, okay. Twenty uh, twenty is an interesting year, right? So. Obviously, you get a guy drafted, Daniel Arturo. That's great for the program. Needed to happen. Um, Amir Coffey gets a two-way contract. Um, he plays some all right minutes. He even got some time in the bubble. Um, 
you know, it's good to have a couple golfers in the league. There's no question about that, right? Um, now, additionally, you know, the NCAA tournament wasn't going to happen in 2019, um, the 2019-2020 season. Uh, they struggled and lost a ton of games, really close games, largely because they played guys way too many minutes and they got tired, right? It feels like we're squeaking by right now, Ryan. Like, we're squeaking by and we're still playing guys too many minutes, specifically Marcus Carr. Um, and it doesn't feel like we've learned learned our lesson coming into this season. And it just... it. It just feels inevitable that they're gonna have they're gonna be in a game and cars just gonna be gassed at the end and they just can't finish. It's gonna come because like there's like if you've seen the schedule, there hasn't been any breaks. Like games just keep coming right. and coming. Right now, eventually you're gonna get. Eventually, they're gonna get uh, to a spot where there's in January you hit a break or two, which would be good. But like. Coach Matillo talked about it at length this offseason. He has to find breaks for Marcus Carr. Yeah. Well, he's he really not finding any breaks. No. no, he isn't finding it. And, like, you had a perfect chance yesterday to sit Marcus the last three minutes, last four minutes of the game, and he didn't. Played him, like, all the way to the end. You know, I, I understand that this net ranking is there, but I also think you need to understand that, like, Last year, we watched this. We, like, there was a game that Marcus Carr was interviewed at the end, and the dude was, like, gasping for air. Like, totally gasping for air. And you saw how worn down he got. We see every year guys get worn down. Now, yeah. this year, there's a little more depth. You know, Liam's not going to play extensively. Boone Gosh isn't playing well enough right now to play extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon Jones, like, for the most part, I don't know that you have to worry about it. With the exception of Marcus Carr. Yeah. But then you have to worry about it because everything goes through him offensively. Right. And I want, like, he's at 35 minutes, almost 36 minutes a game right now. I'd like to see him. I'm not asking for him to play 30 minutes, right? I'm asking, I want to see him play like 32. Right, I just just a thirty four is even fine. Yeah, thirty four and thirty five is great, but thirty eight, thirty nine, it can't happen. No, and and I know that they try to be strategic around TV timeouts, right, to get them a little bit more of a blow. But yeah, they they got to find a way to get him out just a little bit more. Um, and I think the reality of the situation is like you know we talked at length at the end of last season. You know, Patino's in a tough spot. He hasn't recruited high school particularly phenomenally he's done all right not phenomenal he's a really really good short window recruiter but like i i've got concerns i've got concerns there i'm not gonna lie right um my my other concerns now it well not concerns but financially where covid has put things I don't know that the Gophers are going to move on from him if they need to i think they're going to have a good a, a pretty decent season probably probably COVID saved him his job, right? Um, because it, they maybe would have moved on after last season, but at, with all the fear, like, I think we got to be real that we're probably looking at another Patino year coming. And I, I've got some concerns whether or not he can, whether or not he can bring in the talent, man. Well, for starters, they're playing pretty damn good basketball right now. So they I are. You know, it, it's not like it's not even. I mean, it's not. It's not even really a conversation you can even have well, because me, they're playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're he's they're playing exceptionally team basketball right now, and I think they're going to keep playing that. And I think you know now what's going to happen next year. I don't know, but like you you had mentioned, you're not sure about the recruiting, and 
Like, I can understand that. Because what has been proven here in eight years is that for the most part, like, his best recruiting has come when he's grabbing transfers or some spring recruits in the spring when they have to get them quick. Even some of the fall recruits have come, like, at the last minute. Just at the last, like, it's almost signing day. Mm -hmm. We found this guy at a prep school. Let's grab him. That was Trey Williams. That was Big Kenny. That was, I'm sure there's a few others in there as well. Like, when it comes to developing a relationship, and when a kid's early in high school, and then maintaining that to the day they sign the dotted line, the history has not been good. No. Okay? It hasn't been good. But some of the spots have been plugged very well by transfers and such. In college basketball, there are places in college basketball that that that, that, that has worked. Yeah. I, I don't think it's ideal, though, because the people that continue to say it doesn't, I hate, dude, like, I know it's a punchline, like, What's the punchline that everybody always uses? We like him from here. or He's one of us. Like, mm-hmm. that punchline, I get why people say it in Minnesota. But, like, if you just use that and you don't look at the reality. Luke, for, the, for all the years you've been a Gover basketball fan, where's the number one pipeline location of talent? Minnesota. Where is it always going to be the number one? Not the only location, the number one location. Yeah, Minnesota. So yeah. When you have this much talent here, you have to do better than mining it. You don't have to get everybody, but you can't go over five and then over seven. That has to change, and it did change in 2021 because they grabbed grabbed Trayton Thompson. That's a that's a step. And mm-hmm. Bootscotch is also from Minnesota. That's a step. But now you have to do 2022 as well. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, and and like I'm not necessarily like I like Patino as a game coach. I think he's actually pretty good. I think he's underrated there. I think it's the other part that he hasn't been phenomenal at. And I, I, don't get me wrong. Amir Coffey, Daniel Arturo, great, great recruits, right? Like, those are two guys. That, I mentioned it already. They're both in the NBA right now. And, like, honestly, that's, that's a good story you can sell. But you're right. It, when it comes to the relationship recruiting, he hasn't done well there. And you to be able to build a sustainably successful program like the reality of the situation is like before when we've chatted before ryan like you said he has one big 10 winning season right that's 2017 Uh, i know he's had some injuries i i know they've had some unfortunate luck too um but it'll be interesting to see how the thing shakes out i think they have a chance to finish above 500 this season and this is one of the better rosters that he's put together outside of that 2017 team um, and I know they had some off the court issues as well, but I don't know, man, it, th- this year in a microcosm, like I honestly, I thought they were going to move on from him, but COVID never was going to allow that to happen. Uh, it's tough to even, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to really gauge what that might, might've been. You know, some people think it would have happened. Other people don't. I, I don't know. I, it's it, it's tough. I know that there were people that approached myself from the university, like saying, oh, this is what's being looked at. This is what's being talked about. This is what potentially could happen. But at the same time, like those conversations were, have, like they were, those conversations were leaked and brought down, but there was never like a, like, Oh, is this a certainty? Or, or yeah. it was—it was like rumor. It was rumors. 
it wasn't like anything you could substantiate. It was more like frustrated people saying stuff, and you don't know that it was anything you could substantiate. So, and when and when you have a job like this, when someone's been at the job a long time, and you do have one Big Ten winning season, and people kind of get frustrated, those conversations happen. You know, like, and you know what? It's okay for those conversations to happen because you should expect success. And then on Richard Pitino's side of it, people have asked him this stuff before, and he says. I, I'm a veteran coach now. I can't pay attention to the media because if I do, I'll drive myself crazy. He handles it the way he should handle it. Mm-hmm. He has to take it step by step. But it's okay for fans to say, hey, we, this needs to be better. That needs to be better. and Because we, we have those expectations here. And, I, and so far, so good this year. It's just what's going to happen next. And while, while we were going through this loop, I've made my Big Ten prediction. prediction I think they're going to go 11 and 9. Now, that's assuming that everybody uses, has the same rosters that they have right now, which mm-hmm. you cannot assume. Yeah. But let's, so let's say everybody's playing with the same rosters through the year. 11 and 9, you throw in your 17, your, your, uh, excuse me, your 7 Big Ten wins, that gets you 18 and 9. That's going to get them a pretty decent seed. Not a great seed. Yeah, but it should get them a pretty decent seed. And, and let's be completely honest too. You, like you're pick, predicting eleven and nine, they might not even play twenty Big Ten games, right? Like that still is a very real thing. So, well, and Luke, it's not complicated where I'm at with the eleven and nine right now. Like, how do you think I got to eleven and nine? Oh, they're gonna beat. I don't. I don't have their roster up. They're definitely gonna beat Nebraska. Uh, you're gonna beat Nebraska. The pattern they've shown us right now. You're going to beat everybody at home, no matter who they are. You're going to lose everybody at home on the way on the road, except for Nebraska. How could you pick anything other than eleven and nine right now? Because like that's the pattern they've shown us. Yeah. We play super good at home. They play super bad on the road. Yeah. So unless, outside of a terrible team, you almost just have to assume eleven and nine right now, and unless something changes. Okay. Um, before I let you go, uh, give me your top four teams in the Big Ten right now. Who are your top four? Oh God, this is tough. Well, I'm gonna. It's a good league. I'm man. gonna stay with. Yeah, I'm gonna stay with Illinois. I've Illinois is my, has been my pick from day one. I'm staying with Illinois. Um, I'm like it's hard not to watch Wisconsin yesterday and say, "Wow, Wisconsin looks great." So I'm gonna say Illinois, Wisconsin, um, Iowa, and Rutgers like Rutgers. I like the way they play. Some people are going to throw Michigan out there. Look at Michigan's schedule. They haven't played anybody. Michigan's yeah. got the easiest schedule out there. Yeah, you. I don't like you sometimes because you, you literally took my top four. Um, I, <laughs> I thought you'd maybe take I thought you'd maybe take Michigan and put them in there. I didn't think you'd pick Ohio State, but I thought you might squeak Michigan in, and I thought my dark horse was going to be Rutgers. I like Rutgers, man. They are good. Dude, I love Rutgers. Rutgers is tough. Yeah. Ron Harper is a beast. Now, Marcus is Marcus Fuller and I were he's like Marcus he's like he could be a big ten player of the year. I'm like, slow your roll. But yes, yeah. Marcus is correct and I agree that Rutgers is tough, man. I like them. All right, you got any parting parting words before we go? I say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Let's let's make every make this year a good one. Thanks to all the Gopher fans out there, especially the Gopher Illustrated fans. The conversations on GI have been phenomenal, even if you don't agree with me and I don't agree with you. No, everybody have a good new year. And everybody, thank Luke Buer for helping us with these podcasts. These podcasts are so fun. 
you know, between you know, the gridiron one and this one, thank you, viewer, for all that work. Well, thanks, Ryan. It's been fun um, doing this. Uh, thank everybody for listening, and go Gophers. <laughs> <laughs>